Good morning. Welcome to another installment of Mornings with Matthew. Today I'm joined by Fair's Julia Post. Welcome, Julia. Hi, Matthew. So today we're going to do uh, a little bit of a different kind of setup with the podcast, and we're going to include uh, three different segments. This segment is called You Won't Believe This. Huh? In this segment, I talk about a recent immigration news article that was either underreported or misleading that I really think is important to talk about. This article is from Reuters. They are reporting that another caravan, I feel like I'm saying this almost every month now, but another caravan of 1,200 migrants from Central America and Cuba are beginning to move to the U.S. border from southern Mexico. Now, this is interesting because now there are Cuban migrants involved in a, a caravan, and, you know, you have to question how they got from an island in the Caribbean to Central America, and now they're coming through the southern border. Definitely another issue, and it makes me wonder, you know, are other migrants from other Caribbean countries or down in you know, further southern uh, South America, are they going to start coming up now that they see how porous the southern border is? Right, and I think, I mean, we're not even just seeing South American uh, migrants coming up. I mean, yeah. they've, they've caught people coming from Asia and the Middle East and... I mean, you know, places, people from all over, and it's coming through the southern border, but that doesn't mean that all the migrants are necessarily from just that cluster right. of countries. And, you know, that's the national security concern. I think the president's pointed out, and, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, he's tr Trump uh, drumming up all of the, oh, if it's, let's say, Middle Eastern migrants, yeah. they could be terrorists. But I think you said this to me last week. Like, if it was just six people yeah. who were part of ISIS or part of a terrorist organization and they got through, just six yeah. among the tens of thousands of people that are coming through, that's enough to cause a, you know, a serious yeah. uh, I mean, terror concern. Look at 9-11. I think there were 19 total hijackers. I mean, that's a very small drop in the bucket compared to, you know. Compared to the numbers we're seeing every yeah, day I mean, at hundreds this point. of thousands of people. So not to say that, you know, a lot of these refugees are... Uh, immigrants are going to be the next 9-11 hijackers. No. But the issue is there are national security concerns. And now you're looking at this and saying, well, now we have people from islands that are coming here. Mm -hmm. And it's it goes to show you how porous and how much of a joke and laughing stock our you know, southern border is right now. Yeah. And I think Dan Stein, our president, makes this point a lot that really, really poor people don't move because they can't. They yeah. don't have the money to do it. But if these people are able to migrate first from islands over to the mainland and then go up through several countries, you know, they're paying for bus tickets. That's another thing we'll talk about yeah. in a minute. Um, people who have the money, they're not the poorest people of these countries, but the people who have a little bit uh, more funds, more, you know, they're not fleeing um, with the clothes on their backs. I mean, some, some people are, but mm -hmm. Uh, these are people who are paying these massive smuggling rings to get here. And, you know, it's turning into quite a lucrative business. Um, like we were talking about, I don't know if you know much about this Washington Post article, but yeah. people are paying a lot of money. This is turning into a big deal on the border where it's it's not just the people who are fleeing from gangs or, or um, political persecution, but people who just want jobs, who want to come to America mm -hmm. because there are so many incentives to mm -hmm. come here. And it's just compounding the problem. I agree. And it's sad because it, you know, despite the numerous caravans we're seeing come almost monthly in the, in the thousands, it's like no one believes that there's a crisis at the southern border. I mean, obviously there's Republican members. Trump believes that, you know, he, he keeps reiterating there is a crisis, but people on the left keep saying it's a manufactured crisis. I'm pretty sure AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted uh, either today or yesterday saying that there is no crisis. I mean, it's 
there's literally thousands of migrants coming in caravans monthly at this point, and you know we don't have the manpower, the resources to address it. Not to say that we need to deny everyone coming in, but at least to you know properly vet them, make sure that their asylum claims are entertained in the in the correct manner, and you know making sure that you know we're not overrun. I think even last week uh, there was an article saying that ICE detention centers. We're becoming so full that they have to release, you know, migrants back into, you know, the communities. And, you know, who's to say that they even show up again after they be after they're released? So right. it's definitely a crisis. I just cannot believe it's still being circulated in the news that it's manufactured and it's, it's well, a sad reality. I think that a lot of what people aren't recognizing is the abuse of our asylum system, which is going on. It's a downfall for the people who really do need asylum, mm-hmm. the people who really are fleeing political persecution, who really can't go back to their home countries. We have set aside this program so that people can come here and, and seek a better life, you know, when they have credible fears of their own countries. But these people who are coming who can afford to just, you know, leave because they want a better life, but not necessarily because they have no other options. This is just best one, mm-hmm. so they're going to take it. Um, you know, it's really, it's sad for the people and I, I think the Democrats are being dishonest by not talking about this more, that the people that you really want to help, the people who just absolutely need to come, come to this country, aren't getting their asylum claims processed in a timely manner. They're getting put at the back of these lines that are years long for people who are really just using the system as a means to get a better job uh, and come here. And, you know, that's nice, but we can't let every single person who wants to come here come. I mean, even Democrats up until very recently admitted that. So I think, you know, there has to be a lot more honest discussion about the asylum laws, which brings me to this Washington Post article, which I really just couldn't believe. But what they're calling it now, the conveyor belt. And uh, instead of just the migrant uh, caravans that are going on, there's now these almost like tourism bus Mm -hmm. services that are showing up, which I'm just baffled by. But uh, I think mostly in Guatemala, but there's 72 hour turnover. They'll leave Guatemala and they'll arrive at the border and they'll arrive at these sort of in-between zones that are technically American um, soil and they'll drop them off. And people are lining up by 100, 200 people. It says here, within 72 hours of leaving staging areas, the buses arrive at predetermined drop-off points within walking distance of the U.S. border. Migrant families are clustered into groups that have time, at times exceeded 300 adults and children. They walk directly across the border, in some cases stepping over barriers in long, orderly lines. They then surrender to U.S. Border Patrol agents and initiate asylum claims. Wow. I mean, that certainly baffles me as well. I mean, so who's paying? Do the migrants just pay for a bus ticket? and then? Yeah. But who's funding this kind of process? Is it some kind of open borders advocacy group? or So a lot of them are being funded by relatives who already live in the U.S. and they're wow. sending the money back. But the tickets will range from $2,500 to 7000 according to the article. Now, if you're paying $2,500, you're riding in a cattle car or in trucks just sort yeah. of standing. I mean, it's terrible yeah. conditions. But if you can afford $7,000 tickets, you're sitting on school buses or coach buses and they just bus you up. You'd get dropped off at the border, and then you just tell the border patrol agents there, whoever finds you, hey, we want asylum, and that's it. So they said that a part of the problem is that a lot of children are now coming up like this, more families, and it's maximizing, these smuggling groups are maximizing the capacity they can bring up, and uh, they're starting to be able to lower the cost. And as soon as they start lowering this cost so that just any person can hop on a bus and go, I think the numbers are going to explode even more. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's really crazy that, you know, now we're seeing, you know, before, or it's still happening now, but, you know, when, when migrants would cross the border, you know, they're just trying to run off and be undetected. But now we're, you know, like the article just mentioned, 
they want to be caught because the asylum laws are in their favor. And so now they're just voluntarily submitting themselves saying, here, here I am, come arrest me. I mean, it's crazy to see that aspect too. But I mean, the whole bus kind of business is also insane. I mean, as the, the tickets get cheaper, I mean, you can only expect more people to come up. And the fact that there's been inaction from the Mexican government, I mean, I'm not really surprised because they they've been a friend to us sometimes, but also not as good as they can be with helping uh, with the immigration crisis. Yeah, and I think this is something that the Trump administration would do good to focus more on because although the caravans make headlines a lot, that's just one group of people coming up and one group of a thousand people is bad, but daily groups of 300 is going to be a lot more than that in a very short period of yeah. time. Um, but these tend to go, I mean, I was shocked to see this in the Washington Post. I mean, this shows that even these left-leaning media outlets are recognizing, whoa, there is a crisis, there is something going on, um, and we need to do something about it. All right, so moving forward, our next segment is called The Fair Update. In this segment, I'll talk about what FAIR is working on internally for the week and provide you guys important updates from each department. So recently, our research department, our fabulous research department, created a study uh, that was actually released a couple weeks ago and was picked up by uh, the Associated Press, Breitbart, and the Washington Times. Uh, but they basically proved that illegal aliens are incarcerated as much as five times the rate of legal residents and on average, three times the rate of legal residents in states where they are most heavily concentrated. So this is a huge study because I don't know about you, but growing up in high school, in, in college, and reading about you know illegal aliens and crime, you've only seen reports saying that, well, wait a minute, illegal aliens do not commit crimes as high as native-born uh, citizens. And this is one of the first studies I've seen anywhere uh, that states otherwise. So our research department, they use SCAP data, which is the State Criminal Alien Assistance Program. And it's a program that reimburses state jurisdictions for incarcerating legal aliens. And so they measured this data in 10 different states, which comprise of 65% of the nation's illegal alien population. And they measured this in states uh, along the border, like Arizona, California, and Texas, but also states uh, in the Northeast, where there's a lot of uh, illegal aliens residing in them, like New Jersey, which I know you're from, uh, and New York. Um, so in California, here's some key findings. Uh, I'll list a couple here. But in California, uh, the state that boasts the largest illegal population, illegal aliens were found to be 3.3 times as likely as legal residents to be incarcerated. So that's Definitely shocking, but it's also because they have a huge illegal population. Uh, in your home state of New Jersey, illegal aliens were 5.5 times as likely to be incarcerated as legal residents, making it the highest rate out of any state measured in the study. And I think the biggest thing that's kind of not emphasized enough with this study is this only includes incarceration rates at the state and uh, local levels. There's nothing on the federal uh, incarceration uh, data on this. So this number is probably even higher if you were to include that, but I don't want to speculate. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly a good study to read. Um, Julia, I don't know if you had some kind of you know, initial thoughts on it, on these findings. Well, I know President Trump mentioned it, I believe, at CPAC. He um, did. He so actually cited us there. Um, I guess we, we were watching it uh, online, but he did cite us and the study, uh, which is obviously a great yeah, thing to have. So, I mean, I know that our research team had a pretty rough time trying to compile the data because it's just so limited. Right. And so they had to really, uh, you know, they had to work really hard to, to piece it all together. But I think now, like you said, there's nothing at the federal level. And maybe since the president sees the opportunity here to point out that this, you know, this is a problem, 
Because I think that's the other question that no one's really talking about is once these people get over the border, they get their asylum claim in, and then they go into our communities, what kind of um, inhabitants are they going to be? Mm -hmm. And this isn't to say that all people that come here are criminals, because a lot of them aren't. A lot of them are you know, really good people that right. are just coming to look for a better life. But that needs to, you know, if you're going to gain citizenship to you know, one of the best countries in the world, in my opinion, um, you need to meet a pretty high bar. Mm -hmm. you, the criteria should be set pretty high. You need to, and if, if they're not passing through um, legal points of entry and they're not being interviewed and they're not proving that they're worthy of citizenship in the United States, then, you know, I think, I, I don't think they should be allowed here. Right. Um, because it, it is a privilege to be a citizen of the United States. So let's transition into our final segment called Guest Perspectives. Earlier this week, I interviewed retired U.S. Border Patrol agent Chris Harris and discussed Trump potentially closing down the southern border and asylum abuse in our country. Let's check out that interview now. Chris, as you know, this past weekend was a huge weekend for immigration news. Uh, President Trump uh, cut funding to three of the Northern Triangle countries. He also declared that he might shut down the southern border uh, sometime this week if Mexico doesn't uh, help more in the immigration fight. Um, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on this and whether or not you thought, you know, is cutting aid and is shutting down the border the best uh, option right now? So, you know, a couple of things. Um I heard people saying they've never heard of the border being shut down before. I, I talked to a former congressman out here, uh, Brian Bilbright, who has stated that in the 80s they would close the border down, um, the port of entry, um, for a couple hours at night to, to point out the displeasure with actions made by Mexico. So uh, in my understanding, it's been done before. So just to clarify that, I heard a few people say they've never heard that being done before. Mm -hmm. um, my understanding is it has been. Uh, I don't know that for a fact. I wasn't living out here, but, uh, again, a retired congressman, a former congressman, told me that was, in fact, the case when we were discussing the sewage, uh, you know, the pollution flowing in. Um, so I, 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 I'm sorry we've got to this point, but I, I've got to tell you, you know, I came to the Border Patrol 23 years ago. Uh, 97, I got out in San Diego. Uh, I'd been on uh, the Treasury Department as a federal officer before that and on the cops in New York. Um you know, in a rainy season, we were catching in the Chula Vista side uh, a thousand people a night. But the difference was they were all being sent back to Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, now, they would try again and again, but the fact was they weren't being allowed to stay. This is a whole new paradigm. And, and you know, I do speaking engagements, as you know, Matthew, and, and I've got to start telling people that I hate being doom and gloom. I've never seen it this bad. And so, functionally, we no longer have a border. Well, my question is, though, you know, are there any other options, you know, is, is shutting the border the best option, or, or should we be looking at, you know, building the border barrier, maybe reforming our asylum loopholes? I mean, I know it's, it's not a, a one-item solution, but, I mean, it, it seems pretty, you know, crazy that we'd shut down the whole southern border. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to do that. First of all, you're, you're right. It, it would be right, it'd be nice if Congress actually acted and did their job to protect the security of the United States and the people therein in these communities, but they haven't done it. So, yes, the best thing would be for Congress to change the asylum loopholes. And they knew they'd been there for years. I've talked to members of Congress, senators. This goes back to President Obama in 2014. The first large groups are coming up. So, yes, the ideal way would be to complete giving us more infrastructure, um, get our manpower up where we should be. Again, you know, this were 2,000 below our statutory minimum. But change the asylum laws. It doesn't matter what we do now. As long as you can set foot on the soil of the United States and claim that it's gangs or crime or, or, or domestic violence, 
which is what's you know stretched out what the original intent of Congress was. As long as you can do that and and overwhelm us and just be set free in the United States, we're done. So if you were talking to the Mexican government, what would you want them to do to help with the crisis more or help solve the crisis more? I mean, I know uh, in previous months they sent more of the federales to the you know southern Mexico border with Guatemala to help secure it. I know they're handing out more humanitarian, uh, you know, short-term visas. But if, if you wanted them to do something right now, what would it be, the Mexican government, well, to help well, out let's, more? Let's, let's, let's be clear on this. I, I have a friend who's uh, a reporter, William Lujanas. He was embedded down there. He was on the southern border. He actually saw the federales lined up ready to stop the people coming across from Guatemala. And he said it was very obviously they got a phone call and they all stepped aside. They were given orders to move aside. Wow. So somewhere in the Mexican government, and, I, and this is before Obrador was president, but somewhere in the Mexican government, and again, maybe they have their own deep state, I don't know, somebody made the decision to not stop them from crossing the border. So if I could sit down with President Obrador, I'd say, look, I, I don't care what your political ideologies are. We have to be good neighbors. And this is not you being a good neighbor. And so if you want to have this continued trade across the border, which, which really benefits Mexico even more than the U.S., dollar-wise, and you want to have remittances keep coming across the border, which you actually make more remittances now than you do from Pemex, you know, your mm -hmm. nationalized oil company and gas company, then you need to start enforcing your immigration laws on the southern border. And you have people flying in from around the world, and they're, they're getting 21- or 31-day transit visas. Stop it. But you need to do a better job because you're not. You're, they're, I mean, they're just, they're just busting right through your country. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Do you have any more insight about the, the recent caravan that's coming through uh, southern Mexico? Again, I, I've heard it's extremely large. It's made up of different components. And I think this speaks to various quasi and, and governmental agencies actually responsible or, or partly responsible for this. Um, you know, over, over the month before this, when I was still working and, and getting this stuff and, and getting to see it, it was quite obvious that, um, and none of this was classified, it was just stuff we developed, but it was quite obvious that there were several actors and, and groups behind this and that they had hoped to overload and crash our system. They've done it. They've succeeded in crashing the system. I never thought it would happen. We are releasing single males into the United States now. We are releasing people with criminal paperwork into the United States now. This is something that when I first came into patrol, you know, we weren't really good at. We weren't fingerprinting everybody all the time. I mean, it was just, and, and I, I hated that. We weren't protecting our communities. And so I, I just, I, I, it saddens me, it bewilders me, it dismays me, it disheartens me that we've gone back to where we were 20-some years ago, in a lot of cases worse. Um, a lot of these guys are documented gang members. I was talking to somebody that works at one of the shelters up here, and they actually saw paperwork that this guy was not to associate anymore with the gang, you know, the gangs he's associate up here. So he's a prior wow. deport that is coming back with a gangbanger. And I just don't understand on, on the Republican side and, and even more so on the Democratic side why we're okay with importing tons more criminals that they have, no, and the, the rest of them who aren't criminals have no support, you know, very little support networks. When these people are coming to pick them up, they're on welfare. I, again, I talk to people at the shelter who off the record will tell you these you know, pregnant women are being brought down to the offices to sign up, in California at least, to get on different assistance programs. So... I don't understand the magnitude of this problem seems to be eluding people, and, and you're either incredibly ignorant and naive, or you're deliberately looking to degrade the United States and its security and, and, and its safety. Absolutely. And you brought up, uh, you know, kind of the family unit topic, and I wanted to ask you something about that. So 
Last week, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham, he tweeted out that 90, 92% of illegal family units failed to show up for their deportation hearing since uh, September of 2018. So that's 92% of these family units are failing to show up for their deportation hearings, uh, you know, for the past six months. So, you know, how is that, how is that possible? You know, why, why can't we track down these families and, you know, how are they disappearing into the interior of the, of the U.S. if, you know, they're so, g- given an ankle bracelet or, or... No, they're cutting the ankle bracelets off. Let's, let's, look, wow. even at the, at, the, at, the, at, the, uh, at the shelters, they're cutting them off. Uh, I, I remember I had a picture a couple of years ago from the Port Authority Police out here, uh, the San Diego Harbor Police, that um, in, in the airport, uh, San Diego International, there was about 12 um, ankle bracelets cut off and just dropped there. They have no intention of ever showing up for their hearings. You ask me how? Well, they, they disappear into the woodworks. They they go. They live in houses with you know family members. Um, they don't have registered addresses. But the, the problem is, look at ICE. How? I mean, I think this is. I, I actually think on some quarters this is a planned out maneuver. ICE is being bashed for going after criminals. I mean, you literally have California's a sanctuary state. And, and again, this bothers my mind how people with a D after the name are okay with protecting criminals. You don't want us to go into a prison after a convicted felon? How did we get there? So if you're going to go after Border Patrol and ICE for going after convicted felons, what do you think the outrage would be if we were just going around to do new sweeps to pick up these families? Right. And so even if we did pick them up, which we nobody has the manpower to do that, but, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of that. We still have over probably close to a million people that are, are wanted with criminal records. So if you're going to detach ICE guys and even Border Patrol to assist to, to round up people like this who aren't showing up for their hearings, but so say you can do that, which you can't. We don't have physically enough uh, resources, but say you could. What do you do with them then? We already don't have places to detain them. So if they don't show up, they still have to be set up for a hearing. We've we got a lot of people that have been ordered deported. that They either didn't show up or they, they show up and ordered deported, and then again they disappeared. So they have orders of deportation hanging over their head. So the system is set up to fail on, on that level. And the numbers are so staggering that it, it would take years to find these people. And then we're going to have protests like, oh, my God, they've been living here for a few years now. You're disrupting the family. So this is all I think. I, I truly think that there's a lot of planning went in on people in the far left in this country and other countries to do this. They have, they have shattered the system. And, and to put it back together again is going to take years. But the fact remains, these, these people that are criminals, I know for a fact, are being released into the United States, people that are prior deports. And so to do this, then you have to fix the asylum laws. We have to start removing these people. If, if we could remove them to Mexico pending their hearings, that would be a huge, tremendous help, especially if we can change the asylum laws. Anything the president does by presidential order could be tied up in the courts. Right. Hopefully Congress will tighten up the asylum law. Look, I know what real asylum is. You've heard the story about the woman I was with at, who came from Cambodia. The yep. Paul, you know, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge were, were killing people. Her family escaped. They lived in two refugee camps for two years. They were finally sponsored by a church in Oklahoma. That's real asylum. As Americans, we should be proud of that. That's a golden beacon. Well, that's all the time we have today for Mornings with Matthew. For more information on immigration news, check out our website at fairus.org. Tune in next week for another edition of Mornings with Matthew.